The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Joining me is Bennett Carroll and very awesome uh, that Jim Margulis is joining us from Regents Field down in Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) To quote Brent Musburger, you are looking live in Birmingham and uh, very awesome uh, for Jim to be joining us. He's currently in the visiting uh, press box at the Birmingham Barron Stadium as he is a Capturing as far as opening day for the Birmingham Barons, the AA affiliate for the Chicago White Sox down in Alabama. So, Jim, let's start there. How is the Birmingham experience so far? This is my first time here, and it's a lovely stadium. I just had lunch at the brewery, or I should say early dinner at the brewery across the street, and that was nice just watching uh, the ball game activities come and go. But uh, their opening day got rained out, so they had a double header for opening day. So an early start with a half full fan. It wasn't quite the fanfare that you'd expect from an opening day, but it's, you know, kind of fitting, I guess, for just how the 2021 season's coming about and just the challenges posed to uh, a team. Like one thing I learned, no, no bat boys. There's no, there are no bat boys this year. They're like 
you know, players are having to retrieve foul balls and umpires going to have to like just uh, they're just reducing on field personnel. And so that's a case right. where, you know, they have them. So it's it's uh, it's strange, but it's uh, they're, they're they're making uh, they're making do and getting by. That is strange. Is that a money thing or is that a covid thing? I think it's a COVID thing. Like the, they just really don't have a whole lot of access points to the field. And I think you, I was talking to Kurt Bloom, a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. Kurt Bloom before the game. And he said that like his access is limited and he has to talk to guys basically from the stand. So it's just how they're doing it. They're being super safe. And I guess, you know, it's also mm-hmm. a personnel thing as they get back to full, full strength and full revenue, they probably have to get by a little bit in terms of fewer personnel, but it's, you know, they're kind of scrambling, but I think every team is and just yeah. uh, the way it is right now. So Governor Pritzker in Illinois said today that Illinois is on track to go to phase five on June 11th. So that's given a lot of people hope that in Illinois we can go back to full capacity uh, pre-pandemic days. Uh, any insight in what Birmingham, like what they're going to be able to do if they have any insight on when things are going to be able to expand and get closer to normal for them at Regents Field? Uh, not yet, but I know that in Nashville, not that you know every state and city has the same rules, but Nashville, the city has been pretty conservative in terms of how, how to open things up, and they're going full capacity next week. I have tickets to the second game of the season when it's like 25%, and I felt like okay about that. But they're going from 25 to 100. And so I'm not quite ready to sit like in full capacity stands yet with strangers. Because you look at the mask adherence in the stands, it's not great. But then again, yeah. like if people are sitting in their bubbles, you know, with people they know and who they live with and not close to anybody else, I don't see the big deal. But if you take that discipline and apply it to strangers commingling shoulder to shoulder, uh, need a back <laughs> when it comes to disease <laughs> and such. It's, uh, you know, maybe not yet for me. I'm not quite there. So I'm happy to be going for the first week when it's limited. Everybody's in pods. Everybody can sit with their bubble. And that's more of my speed right now. All right. Well, thanks for the report down in Birmingham. Birmingham's a great place. If you haven't been down there to watch the White Sox AA affiliate, I did it a, a couple of years ago. Jim is down there now. I highly recommend it. It's a great experience, especially just for like a weekend. You can easily do Birmingham uh, in a weekend. And Jim will have more. Uh, about the Birmingham experience and how the Barons are doing on SoxMachine.com. Uh, but let's get into, I think, what is a very popular topic. I was lucky to join Molly at Hall on 670 The Score as far as the morning show to talk about this particular topic as far as the troubles with Tony La Russa. And this stems from the one to nothing loss that the White Sox had in 10 innings against the Cincinnati Reds. It is another game that potentially, with some better decision-making from Tony La Russa, the Chicago White Sox would have get, gotten a better chance as far as winning. And Jim, you wrote about it today as far as on SoxMachine.com, and I, you and I share a lot as far as the same viewpoints. It's just not understanding the extra innings rule, uh, where he thought Liam Hendricks had to be the runner on second base when that wasn't the case. But there were multiple mistakes as well in that 10th inning that Tony La Russa decided to make, but these decisions he's making follows up on a column you wrote a little while ago that these are not one-off mistakes. This is a bad pattern of mistakes for Tony La Russa. You want to break that down as far as your thoughts on the other decisions that Tony La Russa got wrong and seems to be repeating. Well, first of all, Bennett, shut up. Uh, <laughs> and then when, uh, it was funny when I was uh, driving down here, I stopped at a rest area uh, just over the border in Alabama, I checked my phone to see the score. I saw it was zero to zero in the tenth inning, 
and runners on the corners. And I was like, well, I could sit here and watch my phone, but it's the 10th inning and it's the White Sox. So no, <laughs> I'm going to, I knew you were recapping the game and I just wasn't, you know, it wasn't my responsibility. It finally, it wasn't my responsibility to watch. So I spared myself. So I didn't see how it went down in real time. I watched it after the fact, but yeah, it's just, it's with, you know, I guess, you know, I wrote my, the, the headline of my post was that the game keeps finding Tony Roos. And it's part of it because the game keeps finding Larry Garcia and Billy Hamilton to do. It's like the two weakest parts in the lineup and rallies always get to them late, you know, extra innings start with them or end with them. It's just, there's no way to get away from them. And it feels the same thing with Larusa at the managerial level. Like there's no way to get away from him. They aren't playing games where his, or, or they're not getting away from him, like in, in, in terms of the score or the situations, like there's a lot mm -hmm. of games that require finessing and require substitutions and require pinch hitting and defensive alignments that might not be traditional, but might require the bats to make it happen. And it, you know, he keeps having to show that he's ready to manage an American league team in 2021. And He's had some successes when it comes to how he's deploying players. Uh, I would say more on the pitching side, starting pitching side, he's been fine. Uh, or I should say like with the Rodon, Kopech guys who have innings limitations, he's doing a fine job with them. But when it comes to just the big picture stuff, it still seems like it's escaping him. And when you have James Fegan telling him the rules and having to like explain it, it sounded like I didn't, basically on the accounts, like he had to explain it to him multiple times, actually like read it to him verbatim in order for him to get to understand the way you like have to like tell somebody how to use a cell phone or like they would say a VCR back in the old days, but now it's cell phone. It's that's a little just uh, discouraging, disheartening and, and really just indulges all the jokes that people had and all the reflexive criticisms, all the ways that, people thought it wasn't going to work. Like I didn't think it was going to work either and not work well, but not like this so soon. And that's a good point because Bennett, we are just 29 games into the season. We have another 133 games left to go. And it's a small sample size technically, as far as 29 games go. And we've seen these types of mistakes made repeatedly what is your confidence level, Bennett, in Tony La Russa for the rest of the season managing this White Sox team? I hope the offense scores eight runs every game so we don't have to worry about it. Uh, the, the easy answer is I think after the first couple, because there, you know, the first week there were a couple like smaller mistakes that may have bit you, but whatever, you know, it was all right. He's rusty. You know, he hasn't managed a game, a real game in 10 years. Some stuff has definitely changed. But this is at least the second time there's been a rule he hasn't known about or he, he hasn't yeah. care about. And, you know, like there are things like, as Jim said, the, the stuff with Kopech has been perfect. It is exactly what you'd want from Kopech. Radon has pitched out of his mind and, and been used well. But it it's just it's one of those things where it's enough that you can, as you see on Twitter, you can point the blame at other people, but it, it just comes up in those moments where you, if you make the right decision, it will help so much more, even on the off days, even on the days where there are other excuses. It's, it's just, I, I don't have confidence is the answer. Uh, hoping for, for something to change, but knowing it won't basically is where I'm at. 
Yeah, and you you still have the crowd that's like, well, managers don't matter that much. Uh, and they're pointing at the White Sox only had two hits. How do you expect this team to win with only two hits? But it was 0-0 going into the 10th inning, and you are given a runner on second base. As a manager, you have the ability, as far as decision-making, uh, and you have with that ability, you got to get your you got to get that runner home. And mm-hmm. if the White Sox score that runner from second base, they're up one to nothing. And you're having your fifty four million dollar closer uh, hoping that he can hold on to a one run lead, even though they have a runner on second base and you can steal a win. I, I just think that so far in these first twenty nine games, Jim, the White Sox are not stealing a lot of wins. Uh, out of their 16 that they have won so far. Uh, they have been given away wins out of the first 29. And I really hope this doesn't bite them uh, later in the season. That's always been one of my chief concerns, even since the Anaheim series or the series in Anaheim, I should say, against the Los Angeles Angels, where they coughed up two of those games in that series. It's like, I hope that this doesn't bite them at the end. And right now they're a half game behind Cleveland, uh, in the American League Central as far as the division. And we can bring up those standings here in, in a moment. But this brings the topic of Tony La Russa is now a hurdle, Jim, for mm. the White Sox still, instead of being an aid. And that cannot happen for this particular White Sox team. And you even have folks on, in Chicago radio now questioning, man, why did you get rid of Rick, Rick Renteria if this is what Tony La Russa is? Uh, how big of a hurdle do you think Larusa is? And just looking back at recent history with major league teams, uh, we have seen examples of teams still overcoming a manager that you know maybe too far over their head as far as a particular job, but still be successful. Can the White Sox still be successful and overcome the mistakes that Larusa is making? Uh, they can, uh, but you know, you mentioned the you know, I guess the reflexive defense of Larusa saying, well, you know, the they didn't hit with runners in score position, they didn't score a run. How are you supposed to get wins when the offense doesn't show up? That is true. However, in this year and and recent, you know, the way offenses slid over recent years, and now there are three no hitters or three no hit games thrown this year. Uh, you know, they're going to be a lot more low-scoring games or games where the <laughs> offense doesn't show up. And, you know, what do you do, like, when it comes to, you know, the offense, like, you're going to have a lot more games, I think, this year, especially relative to, like, say, maybe even 2018, to where, like, a team goes one for 11 with runners in score position. Just going to be, like, the norm. And, you know, I was, I'm reading about other teams. Like, I mentioned the Yankees at the time. They were struggling massively with runners in scoring position. The Twins, I think, are 0 for 7 next innings yes so they have their own problem like you know no team is unique when it comes to just executing at the plate in clutch situations because the pitching steps up the pitching is the best you can possibly face in high leverage leverage situations so that's just how it is this year so it does magnify the impact of situations where a manager can make a difference and then you have situations like you know the uh well i should say like the like Bennett mentioned, the replay situation in the opening series, and then this situation now where they you know didn't know the rules, and you know it's one-off games, and they're, they're they they lose a game, and you know the offense should have shown up, no big deal. But this these are mistakes that coaching staff should be ready for, managers should know. These are the things like you can control, like hitting is a reflex. 
based on thousands and thousands of reps at different levels coached up against like an accelerating level of competition and you're making decisions in microseconds. Same thing like in the field, you're making like reflexive decisions based on information you're processing really quickly in rapid succession based on what your eyes are, even the corners of your eyes are telling you. But like managing is you should know the rule book before the game. You should know, you should have like an idea of how anything is going to play out before they happen. Uh, it, when, you, when you have failure at this level, it, it, you know, the, the closeness of the games and the leverage situations, they magnify the mistakes that they're making, the, the very preventable, preventable mistakes they're making at the level. So, you know, it is a defense that managers don't make or break a team, but I think this year there are going to be games that are made or braid broken by the, by the, uh, by, by decisions made in the dugout. And this upcoming stretch, and again, I'll bring it up as far as the American league central standings. Cause one thing that people are pointing out, Bennett is the run differential for the white Sox. It's all right, guys. Okay. Larus is making mistakes. The white Sox are only a half game back at Cleveland, but look at their run differential. And this is what I say about that, Bennett. Cause I am a, I, I do like run differential. Because run differential tells me what your expected win-loss record should be. And the White Sox should be leading the American League Central right now. We shouldn't be talking about the White Sox a half game back of Cleveland for first place. We should be talking about the White Sox having a two and a half game lead in the American League Central. And if you want to quantify as far as the mistakes that for that Larusa has made, or even some of the issues at the bullpen, not able to hold the lead and coughing up those four games uh, with having to lead in the seventh inning or later. Uh, this is where I've highlighted in the red box. The expected win loss record now for the Chicago White Sox should be 18 and 11. And people will say, well, it's 29 games in two games. It's not that big. It's not that you know big of a difference, but if this continues throughout the entire season, this could easily add up to a 10-win difference between what the White Sox finished with 2021 and what they were expected to win in 2021. Yeah, I, first of all, shout out Pythagoras. Uh, great formula. Second of all, uh, yeah, like, and also, even if it's two games, like, as we've said, like, two games matter if they're in April, if they're, if they're in September. But, yeah, at, at the rate we're going – with uh, losing games uh, based on the run differential, it's it's an issue. And just to, to tag back to, to Jim's point, like the offense isn't showing up once or twice a week, and they're still the best offense in baseball. So it's this weird struggle between the offense is bad, but also it's really good. And I think that really actually summarizes 2021 well, is that they're the best, but they're also really garbage a couple days a week. But, yeah, like as easy as it is to go, well – you know, you don't win your games on the the expected win loss. It's or the run differential. It's true, but you can you can lose the game, the close games in those situations. And the, you know, it's it's unfortunate to see, and hopefully does not continue. But I still have no confidence. Well, for the Chicago White Sox, after twenty nine games, we are now in the gauntlet stage of their schedule. This is going to be 68 games the next 76 days for the Chicago White Sox. They're going to play 16 games, 16 games against the Minnesota Twins during this stretch. They're going to play 10 games against the Detroit Tigers. They have seven games against the Kansas City Royals, Baltimore Orioles, and Houston Astros. 
four games against Cleveland, three games against the Yankees, Blue Jays, Mariners, Rays, and Cardinals, and a two-game series in Pittsburgh during this stretch. So again, it's 68 games in 76 days. It ends 10 days before the trade deadline and through the all-star break. And uh, we've been talking about this since the beginning of the season, Jim, this gauntlet of the part of the season. We thought having 16 games in such a short time period against the Minnesota twins would, would really make the AL central race instead of being pushed back to September and everybody biting their fingernails bring it all the way up before the all-star break, because you're really going to know where you sit in the American league centrals, the Chicago white Sox, And even from a Minnesota twins perspective as well, having so many games against each other uh, being one of the first series after the all-star break. I mean, you're almost done with the season series before the trade deadline Uh, now entering this stage and even talking about La Russa, we've mentioned the bullpen a few times struggling, uh, I still feel like this is a, a critical part of the White Sox schedule, especially since I think Rick Hahn is looking for help uh, to replace as far as the production for Luis Robert out in center field. Maybe they wait and see what Adam Engel can do, um, but it's tough with his injury right now. He's going to be out for the rest of the month of May, and he won't be coming back at the earliest until the beginning part of June, uh, if he does come back, knock on wood, uh, that changes. But, you know, for this stretch for the White Sox and, you know, the Minnesota Twins are not good right now. They lost again. They lost the series to the Texas Rangers, which is surprising. How critical do you view this stretch now after the first 30 games of the season and kind of seeing where everybody is in the standings? Uh, I guess it depends on how you approach the season as a whole. Like it's critical in terms of the twins are down. You can kick them while they're down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the you know, Byron Buxton just tweaked a hip, like running to first, like Luis Robert did. And it didn't oh, hurt it to, this, uh, to the extent that Robert did. Like they said, he's day to day right now, but he had to leave the game and just, you know, you know, Kirilov is out with a, uh, with a wrist injury, uh, you know, Maeda hasn't looked right, although he pitched better his last time out. The bullpen's been a mess. Even with Colome out, they haven't been able to replace his innings. So they're they're a mess right now. Rocco Baldelli is searching for answers. And so if you can like beat them up now and maybe discourage them and uh, take away like certain moves they might make if they were closer, that's something you want to do. But I think when I look at the shape of the central, I look at the the uh, Cleveland beating up on the Royals and and taking it to Danny Duffy a little bit and Shane Bieber looking wobbly but coming back and, and beating Kansas City. I think this is going to be like a three, three and a half team race that they might all have issues at different times. They might just, mm-hmm. you know, some team might look like they're running away with it and get dragged back to the pack because of an injury. Uh, you might have like, you know, depending on the Royals looking feisty one week and then looking beatable next week because their bullpen dissolves like the twins might be, you know, be off and on based on how healthy they are. So I think, you know, should they get off to a rough start with this stretch, it won't be, you know, like I won't be like pounding the table to sell, 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 because I think based on just how many injuries there are based on just how uneven the level of performance has been across the American league, basically, that it's hard to panic too much. Uh, just There's just so many, this is such a weird year. The pitching is so dominant. Uh, the performances are so uneven. I really don't know what to do with this information. So basically I'm, I think it's a strength of what you know when you say, I don't know, you're comfortable saying that. I'm very comfortable saying, I don't know. 
How about you, Bennett? As far as the gauntlet here, again, these 68 games in 76 (laughs) days, how critical do you view this stretch for the White Sox? I mean, literally, like we know, we know where the twins are right now. uh, And we also know the twins can turn it on like that. They're that, they, they have that kind of ability. So 16 in two months, that's just so much. Um, It's a lot. It is a lot. Like literally it's going to be every midweek series for like two, for two months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's huge. It, without getting into, you need to beat this team this many times and take them out and do this. Like it's crucial that you at least are keeping pace that you're, if, you know, if the twins do start to come back and you know, you got six games in 10 days with them around the corner, it, you got to, you got to have that in the back of your mind. It's just it's so many games and it's so quick. Like July is going to be here in, in like a week at this rate. And you're going to have 15 more games after that against, you know, just insane. The way I look at it is this with the way that the Minnesota twins have started that if the white Sox can in that, in the first 12 games of that series are up eight game, eight games to four, and they build on their lead on the Minnesota Twins, another four. I think, Jim, you could maybe convince Twins front office to not buy. Mm-hmm. And that will make the White Sox life a lot easier after the trade trade deadline, where you beat them up so much and they're so far behind that they just look at their roster and they say 2021 is not our year. And that makes your life a lot easier from a White Sox perspective. And then it really depends on what you do against Kansas City during that stretch. It's just a a few games that they have against the Royals. And the White Sox are only going to see Cleveland for four games during the 68-game stretch. So we'll see more of Cleveland and the White Sox uh, in August and in September. And maybe Cleveland fades right now. They're playing some good baseball. They've won five straight to lead the American League Central. But this is the this is the part of the schedule that I look at, Jim, especially 16 games against the Twins and 10 games against the Tigers. If they if both of these teams are what their winning percentages are, this should be the opportunity, even for the White Sox dealing with the bullpen, not being the super bullpen, even having to overcome Tony La Russa's decision making when games are tight or games in extra innings. This team, despite even the injuries as well should be able to take advantage of this stretch really pad as far as the distance between them and the Minnesota twins. And I'm expecting the white Sox after this 68 game stretch to have the lead in the American league central with a few games between them and, and whoever is going to be in second place in the American league central at that point. That's kind of how I see as far as this gauntlet for the next 76 days for the white Sox, and why I think it's really important that whatever mistakes that they're making right now, They really need to limit those mistakes because you don't want to be coughing up games during this stretch because if the Twins do get hot and they play at the level that we thought they were going to play before the season, you just don't have – you only have three more games to play catch-up with them after July. Yeah, I have two uh, visuals going through my head right now. One is when I was describing Central, I had like a – do you ever see the Japanese uh, game show Slippery Stairs? Once, like, yeah, yeah, I know, just yeah, but basically, like, that's how I think the central is going to be. Like, every you know, a team is going to have a carefully 
plotted out strategy to get to the top and then like one false mover, like one clip of the ankle is going to send them tumbling back down. So that's kind of how I think it's central. I think like the these games against the Twins and Royals and, and, and so forth kind of remind me of a Royal Rumble in that mm. you have like, especially like the Twins, like when you think about like if you're in a Royal Rumble and I've never been in one, but let's say I have. <laughs> and let's say I'm like, let's say I'm like, you know, a chiseled 290 pounds. Like I'm looking around the ring and I say like, well, I know, you know, this guy can't toss me out. This guy can't get the leverage to toss me out. But that guy, you know, he doesn't look like much, but he can actually, you know, toss me out of the ring. I better keep an eye on him or I better team up early with somebody else to toss him out of the ring because I know he can eliminate me later. <laughs> That's kind of how I look at the White Sox looking at the Twins. Like if they can like team up with like, say the Rangers, you're taking three out of four or another series like where the Twins don't look right. And then like, you know, have their own three of four to, you know, all of a sudden the twins have lost six of eight and now they're you know, eight games back or whatnot. And, you know, they have injuries and if, uh, you know, young guys aren't ready to help and they not quite ready to pack it in, but not ready to add. And I think that's kind of how they have to look at it. Like, I think every week is going to be a challenge for the White Sox based on who's healthy, given just how precarious the lack of depth is. But if they can take it like week by week and see what they have, see who they're up against, see who they have, and see what their unique struggles are to the season. I think that's going to be how teams survive this year. Now I need the wrestling faction of White Sox Twitter to make Jim oh. a wrestler. I'll call. I'll call Dick. I got Dick the knife on on uh, speed dial. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, excellent. Done. I I need I need to see this. I need to see this with Jim <laughs> yeah, dropping yeah. the Royal Rumble. Eric Dansenborski, yeah. <laughs> He does not his raw skills. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's the White Sox as far as dealing with Tony Larusa and looking ahead as far as their schedule uh, with the gauntlet. We'll preview this upcoming weekend series against Kansas City as it does really favor the White Sox on the pitching side. Um, but before we get to there, uh, we got to address this rumor real quick. Uh, Albert Pujols. Uh, <laughs> Bennett, the, the, the simple answer is no. <laughs> But the the Angels DFA'd to elaborate laughter, yeah. (laughs) And I feel like this is a move they should have made before the season, so at least he can go into free agency and and sign with someone. Um, But now in May, and they DFA him, the options are going to be limited. It sounds like he still wants to play, and immediately there is the suggestion that you know what the team that makes the most sense in signing Albert Pujols is. The Chicago White Sox because of Tony Larusa, and that's exactly what the White Sox need: another first base DH type that can't <laughs> run and is not hitting very well. Uh, but Bob Nightingale, the official White Sox uh, speaker uh, from USA Today, says the White Sox are not interested. Do you buy that, Bennett? Do you do you see Albert Pujols in a White Sox uniform? Uh, no, uh, I, I, I gotta, I, I, I've been thinking about it this way. And the last time the White Sox were legitimately relevant in baseball, like actually competitive was, you know, to 08 was, was that obviously that playoff run, uh, that was peak. The White Sox are just going to go out and get the veteran. They got Griffey that year. They got mid- So if people haven't paid attention to the White Sox for a decade, of course, they're going to do that. They were the betting favorites on it. Uh, no, they're not. If they if they sign Albert Pujols, um, I don't have anything embarrassing I can do, but I would do something <laughs> embarrassing if they did. No, they're not. They're not signing Albert Pujols. How about you, Jim? Do you think the White Sox sign Albert Pujols? 
No, and especially with Nightingale saying that, <laughs> just like <laughs> I, it's it's sad that the way that just people thought, hey, White Sox, to the point where Nightingale had to say something to the <laughs> negative. And I think it was Mark Feinstein said, called it a perfect place. And on one hand, you don't know because they have like five <laughs> first base DHs already. And, you know, especially, you know, maybe if your mean Mercedes wasn't your mean Mercedes, all capital letters, it was more just one of the many fringe candidates they were throwing in there. Maybe you could see adding him but no it just it's no uh like i guess like the only case it's like perfect is if like you really treat like the white Sox as like a place where people on the end of their tail end of careers can go to rest comfortably like like, <laughs> like kind of like a hospice almost and i don't think it's quite that grave so it's we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Baseball's uh, hospice. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, they've been that before, but not right now. And uh, I also thought, like, you know, I know, I know Jose Abreu idolizes uh, Albert Pujols, and that's another reason why I wouldn't want to see Pujols, you know, among the baseball reasons, but other reasons I wouldn't want to see Pujols come here is like, you know, Bray has already kind of had to go over the top with praising LaRusa in the face of public criticism because he's an organizational soldier and is not going to speak poorly of his superiors. He knows like how it works. But you know, if pools are brought on and if you're hitting, you know, like, you know, in the hundred, you know, one hundreds and we're offering nothing, and you'd have to have a Bray saying, like, well, he's so dear and dear and treasured to me and just you'd feel awful about having a Brayu to have to come out and say that. So it might be like a nice for him to have his friend and mentor there, but also I think it would just be a profound disservice to have to have him come out and speak on behalf of the move and defend a friend. And I just don't think it would serve anybody well. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but never say never with the Chicago White Sox. We didn't think that Tony LaRusso was going to be the manager. Yeah. Although Nightingale said LaRusso is a possibility here. He's saying that, uh, Pujols is not, so I right. think we're safe. Yeah, I think we're safe. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Let's move on next as far as the White Sox upcoming series as they had the night off and started a three-game series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as they head to Kansas City. The Kansas City Royals are struggling a little bit. They are now 16-14 and on the season. They have lost five straight games. Runs per game, 4.43 runs per game. They are scoring runs allowed per game. The bullpen has been shaky lately, and the starting pitching has not been good for Kansas City. That's been a problem for them all season long. They are allowing 4.9 runs per game. So back to run differential, they are in the negative, and they are overachieving right now to start the 2021 season. So let's take a look at the probable pitchers between the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox. Starting on Friday, May 7th at 7.10 p.m. Central Time, it is Carlos Rodon for the White Sox against Brad Keller, who has been terrible. And if the White Sox don't win this game, I'm going to be scratching my head. Uh, On Saturday, it's Lance Lynn again. He'll be pitching on Saturday, May 8th. This is a 6.10 p.m. Central Time start. Interesting. The Royals are going to be sending out Daniel Lynch, who will be making his second career start. He is a lefty, and he's one of their top pitching prospects in their farm system. So we'll see on how the White Sox do against Daniel Lynch in his second ever start in the majors. And on Sunday, May 9th, it is Lucas Giolito. This is a 1.10 p.m. Central Time start, and he'll be going up against Mike Miner. Again, another lefty, but the White Sox really struggled uh, to hit Mike Miner in his last start as the White Sox lost that game uh, to Kansas City in Chicago uh, a few weeks ago in early April. Uh, So, Bennett, here we are, uh, three more games against Kansas City, an opportunity for the White Sox to add some distance the way I look at it as far as this series, the pitching matchups really favor the White Sox in this series. And when you have someone like Brad Keller, who has been terrible, and I'm still surprised is starting games for Kansas City, and he got two lefties on the mound. On paper, this is a series the White Sox should win. How do you feel about this series for the White Sox? Yeah, if you don't come out with with two or three here, something went wrong. Uh, and you can pick which one they lose. I, I I'm going to say it's not Brad Keller because you know Brad Keller sucks. Uh, that's a personal vendetta. But um, <laughs> I'm glad you cleared but, that up. Uh, just just to be clear, but I you know they'll they'll drop one of those games. It'll it might be through a certain manager. Uh, I won't tell you which bad St. Louis uh, Cardinals manager will be the cause of it, whether it be uh, Tony Lewis or Mike Matheny. But, you know, I, if you don't come out with two, at least two of three, something went wrong. How about you, Jim? How do you feel about this series for the White Sox? Well, it feels like, you know, we've been talking about how the White Sox haven't stolen games and how, you know, they're struggling in the, you know, 42 that Hawk Harrelson said define a team over the course of a season. I think the Royals had the opposite fortune over the course of the first few weeks. They had like a lot of charmed games, a lot of crazy walk-offs, a lot of comebacks, extra innings they're well designed for because I think they can play, they can score one runner pretty well. Like they're pretty used to small ball contact speed, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's the case where they were kind of the opposite. But when you look at sheer talent, now they're kind of losing games based on talent, on pitching talent, not holding leads. So I think they're coming back to earth a little bit. 
it would be nice to see them beat Mike Miner because Mike Miner was the guy uh, who ended the White Sox winning mm-hmm. streak against uh, left-handed starters. Uh, Daniel Lynch, I think, will be fine uh, just because he doesn't throw a changeup. I think when it comes to lefties succeeding against the White Sox, it's usually the fastball changeup combination that uh, takes them a while to catch on to it. So I, I, I like that matchup there. I think it's just going to be the, the, you know, like we talked about before, I guess, to bring this full circle because uh, you were a professional like that. Like the, sh- the shapes of games, like just, you know, having innings, having rallies not be contingent on the bottom three of the order, not having, you know, Larry Garcia and Billy Hamilton decide games, having, you know, scoring runs early, hitting the ball over the fence. I think it's supposed to be relatively warm in Kansas City, so hopefully the ball travels so they can score that way. But they're just going to have to play more, I think, big boy ball in order to offset the issues that they're having executing with the, I, I guess, the speed-oriented players and manager who tends to fall into the traps that small ball uh, offers and, and often uh, ruins the team for. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those points, Jim, and I'm with you, Bennett, as well. The White Sox should win at least two out of three. I see where they could sweep Kansas City. You'll also hear from analysts saying this is a tricky situation because the Royals have lost five games in a row. If the White Sox sweep them, that's eight games in a row they would have lost. And, you know, you'll hear you'll hear the analyst former players say, I'd rather face a team that's on a five-game winning streak than the team that's on a five-game losing streak, uh, especially that Friday night game for Kansas City and how they may want to come out and uh, try to, you know, get rid of the bad taste in their mouth from the Cleveland series and try to beat up on the White Sox. But the White Sox won nine out of ten games against Kansas City last year. They are currently one and one in the season series. They'll make up that game next weekend in Chicago, which next Friday will be a doubleheader, seven inning doubleheaders. You know how much I love those. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be seven games between the Royals and White Sox uh, in the next two weekends. So lots of Kansas City and hopefully the White Sox take advantage of it, not only this weekend, but next weekend as well as the gauntlet begins. And despite all the problems with Tony La Russa, and having to overcome some pretty significant injuries and the bullpen being shaky, I'm still confident the White Sox can play good enough baseball in these next 76 days where they can win the American League Central. But as our job, as far as providing content and analyzing the season, you want to point out the things that could stop the White Sox so they can identify them and overcome them. And as Jim mentioned, coming full circle, Hopefully Tony La Russa doesn't have to be put into a situation where he has to make a critical decision, especially extra innings. It'd make life a lot easier for everyone involved <laughs> if the White Sox come out and they smack the Royals in the mouth early and they go into autopilot coasting to wins during the weekend. Because I think, yeah. again, this matches up well for the White Sox. Yeah, you know how that five-game losing streak thing isn't true? Uh <laughs> <laughs> If a team never wanted to play a, a team that's on a five-game losing streak, nobody would ever want to play the Detroit Tigers. And everybody <laughs> wants to play the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> that's so true. That is very true. The Tigers lost again today in Fenway. So they're they're on the, uh, the road to the number one pick in 2022. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you, everyone, for watching the live stream on YouTube.com slash socks machine if you don't get an opportunity to watch the live stream because life gets in the way don't worry you could always listen to the audio version of the show wherever you listen to podcasts in the socks machine podcast feed 
You could also follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And for those that are watching the video streams, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can get more by signing up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where we have several different tiers of support, where you get an ad-free version, not only as far as the podcast, but also the website, exclusive content such as the 2021 Major League Baseball Draft Watch, which I just recently uh, put up the top 100 prospect list. Uh, you also get an opportunity to ask questions to our podcast guests, which over the weekend, we're going to have one of our best friends of the show, Jim Callis, sit down with me. We're going to record a new podcast to talk about his latest mock draft for the upcoming Major League Baseball draft and the White Sox top 30 prospects as the minor league baseball season has begun. And our Patreon supporters get to have a special P.O. Sox segment with Jim Callis. So again, if you enjoy your work and you want more and you'd like to help support us, go to patreon.com slash Machine to sign up today. Alongside Bennett Carroll and Jim Margulis, uh, who is currently in Birmingham. And let's uh, blow this up from Regions Field uh, for all of those that are listening to audio. You missed out. But for all of those that are on YouTube right now, you're looking live in Birmingham, Alabama, as the Barons are about set uh, to play tonight at Regions Field. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Sox Machine Live. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.